0: 18. Senate Republicans vote for a blowout omnibus spending package. Church attendance continues to drop in the United States as more Americans move south. And FTX's Fraudmeister is out on $250 million bail. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, the Republican Party is absolutely incompetent. I mean, there's no other way to put this. What exactly has the Republican Party accomplished in the last, say, four years? Uh, the, The last time the Republican Party accomplished anything is when President Trump was president and Republicans had unified control of the House and the Senate. And since then, they've been absolutely incompetent at everything. So incompetent that the Republicans in the Senate distrust the Republicans in the House to the extent that they voted along with Democrats by a huge margin, in order to advance a $1.7 trillion omnibus spending package, 4,155 pages long. Now, the question is, why exactly they would do this? Why would Mitch McConnell, as well as the other 18 Republicans, the other 17 Republicans who voted in favor of this thing in the Senate, why would they do that? I mean, because this is a pretty broad spectrum group of people who voted in favor of the omnibus spending package. It included people like McConnell, of course, but also it included Richard Shelby, Roy Blunt, John Boozman of Arkansas, Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia, Susan Collins of, of Maine, John Cornyn, Tom Cotton voted in favor of it. Lindsey Graham, Jim Inhofe, Jerry Moran, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman, Mitt Romney, Mike Rounds, John Thune, Roger Wicker, and Todd Young. These are not all quote-unquote moderate Republicans. Some of these people are pretty conservative. Tom Cotton is a very conservative senator. Jim Inhofe from Oklahoma is a very conservative senator. They voted in favor of this omnibus package anyway. Now, Kevin McCarthy who wants to be Speaker of the House. It is still not clear whether he actually has the votes to be Speaker of the House in the upcoming Congress. He had threatened, along with a bunch of other Republicans in the House, that if these senators voted in favor of the omnibus package, whatever their priorities were in the next Congress, the next Congress would not take up those priorities. Richard Shelby of Alabama, he said, he's focused on being Speaker. If I were in his shoes, that's what I would be focused on, trying to get enough votes. But I don't think that intimidates anybody. So what exactly happened here? Well, the the answer from a political point of view, is pretty obvious. The Republicans in the House are a fractious bunch. The majority that Republicans are going to have in the next Congress is extraordinarily slim. I mean, we are talking about single-digit majority in the next Congress. And because of that, that means that the Republican Party is going to have a very difficult time actually marshalling a majority on many of these votes. Republicans are slated to have 222 votes going into the next Congress. You require 218 for a majority, which means they have a slim Four-seat margin. And if anybody is sick inside the Republican caucus, turns into a three-seat or a two-seat margin. When you're talking about a caucus of 222 people, there's a good shot that many of those people are not going to be there on an everyday basis. Some will be back home. Some will be sick. Some of them are going to just be drunk. A lot of drunks in Congress. Whatever the reason, that slim margin means that the most radical elements of your party are going to have control of the party unless you have very strong leadership. Now, one thing you can say for the Democrats is that they do have very strong leadership. Nancy Pelosi, as much as I dislike Nancy Pelosi, she threaded the needle with an extraordinarily slim Democratic majority. Now, she, of course, was working with a Democratic president and a Democratic Senate, so she had a lot of leverage to use. If it had been only a Democratic House, then it is unclear exactly whether she would have had the leverage that normally she be seeking. The Democratic Party also happens to be a lot more ideologically coherent than the Republican Party at this point. The Democratic Party has essentially nobody in it who is pro-life. The Democratic Party is fairly unified on economic matters. They have some divisions on foreign policy matters. But overall, the Democratic Party is left. The center left has basically gone away. It is left and then radical left. The Republican Party has a broad swath of people, ranging from, if you look in the Senate, people like Lisa Murkowski, all the way out to people like Ted Cruz. And what that means is it's very hard to cobble together a majority. If you look in the House, the same sort of thing applies. You have people in the Freedom Caucus, and then you have people who are kind of left-leaning Republicans from New York or from California. What that means is that there is no margin for error in the House. And if there is not a leader who is capable of actually whipping the votes, then the Republicans in the Senate are very much afraid that what you'll end up with is a government shutdown. And this is the thing Mitch McConnell fears more than anything else in life, is another one of these government shutdowns that ends with Joe Biden sitting there and laughing at the Republicans as he waits for their approval ratings to crater leading up to 2024. And so basically what happened here is that the Republicans in the Senate did not trust the leadership in the House enough to say that when you guys take the majority, we think that we can work with you in order to come up with a cohesive strategy. And at this point, McConnell doesn't even know who he's negotiating with. Again, this is not making an excuse for McConnell. This is explaining the logic behind what McConnell is doing. There is a logic. The answer to that logic is that McConnell, other members of the Senate, they should attempt to work with members of the Republican House in order to find a consensus candidate for speaker if they don't think McCarthy can get the job done. Right now, they don't even know if they're negotiating with McCarthy because it is not clear Thanks to Matt Goetz and some of the other sort of more right-wing Republicans in the House, some more of the the sort of Trump MAGA Republicans in the House, many of them have said that they will not support under any circumstances McCarthy for Speaker. And remember, again, he has a four-seat majority, which means that if five of them say no and all the Democrats say no, McCarthy ain't the Speaker. And we have this kind of bizarre spectacle right now of a bunch of Republicans in the House who have no plausible alternative for the Speaker of the House saying they will not vote for McCarthy. And so... McConnell doesn't even know who he's negotiating with in the House in order to craft a future strategy going into in January. So the easy solution for McConnell was we vote in favor of the omnibus. We assume that there will be no actual electoral blowback because honestly, when was the last time there was electoral blowback to a Republican for spending too much? It just doesn't happen. It really doesn't. And the, the, the American people don't like spending all this money and they tend to punish the party that spends the most money. But if both parties are spending the money, nobody gets punished. It's a, sort of a prisoner's dilemma. If you look at game theory, what game theory sort of suggests is that when you have a situation in which the second best option for both parties, not the first best option, the first best option is you win, they lose. The, the second best option is sort of the you both almost you, you both lose scenario is sort of the second best option in Prisoner's Dilemma. When both parties spend, then what you end up with is nobody loses. Essentially, both parties kind of lose, but or the country loses, but neither party actually loses because there's nobody to accountable for the spending. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, are you tired of overpaying for your wireless network? You should be. You've been doing it for a very long time. Get Talk text blazing fast data for just 30 bucks a month instead. Pure Talk gives you the same network, the same towers, the same coverage as the other guys, but at half the price. So why would you pay more for the same exact coverage? Again, you're on the same tower network as one of the big guys, but you're getting all of the service for like half the price. Pure Talk's US-based customer service team makes the switch incredibly easy. You can feel good knowing you're supporting a veteran-owned business. When you go to puretalk.com and enter code Shapiro, you save an additional 50% off your very first month of coverage. There's no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over 80 bucks a month for wireless services when you can get the same. Same exact service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. So head on over to puretalk.com, enter code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro for 50% off your very first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Again, head on over to puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro, get 50% off your very first month of coverage. Why would you spend a bunch of money when you don't have to? Instead, head on over to my friends over at puretalk.com. Also, as you may have noticed, I have three kids, I have a fourth on the way. We're getting a puppy. Sleep is going to be in short supply at the Shapiro household, which is why I rely on Black Rifle Coffee. But Black Rifle Coffee doesn't just make the world's best coffee. They also will provide you everything you need for that Christmas shopping list. Black Rifle Coffee Company is helping you knock out that holiday shopping with a ton of awesome new product this year. Designed for folks who love country and coffee, you can shop brewing gear, thermos' mugs and apparel for 10% off with promo code SHAPIRO. Black Rifle sources the most exotic roast from around the globe. All coffee is roasted here in the United States by veteran-led teams of coffee experts. Every purchase you make with Black Rifle helps support veteran and first responder causes. Daily Wire Plus kitchens are stocked with Black Rifle Coffee. Yours can be and should be as well. Head on over to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 10% off coffee, coffee gear, apparel, or when you sign up for a new Coffee Club subscription. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com. Promo code Shapiro for 10% off Black Rifle Coffee. Supporting veterans and America's coffee. Go check them out right now. BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 10% off. So McConnell and these other Republicans are voting in favor of this thing in order to take a government shutdown or a debt ceiling fight off the table for the next year because they don't even know who they're negotiating with in the House. Once again, lack of Republican leadership is an astonishing thing right now. It really is a problem. The Republican Party used to be a vehicle for victory, as I've talked about, because all parties are supposed to be a vehicle for victory. They're not supposed to be ideological tentpoles. They are just repositories of political momentum. This is why you see parties replaced sometimes. This is why you see Donald Trump able to completely hollow out the inside of the Republican Party and just take that sucker over. Because again, whoever wins tends to have the momentum, can take over the party. But what if there's nobody actually there to create a cohesive victory strategy for the Republican Party? And what if many of the tools that the party used to use to punish people, so for example, punishing senators at the state legislature level for not doing what the state wanted them to do, that's gone away thanks to the 17th Amendment. Or let's say, that in the House, it used to be that the party would punish you by taking away your committee assignment or it would punish you by by trying to primary you. Now, the party doesn't do any of those things. So when that is the case, what that means, the party has no leverage over you and all the momentum in the party goes to the people who are on the TV the most. And they have control over the future of the party. Now, the Democratic Party has kept most of its patronage system. The Democratic Party has indeed retained an enormous amount of power over its own members. The, the Republican Party is not. The Republican Party has basically dissolved all power at the top levels of the party. And what that means is that without any level of cohesion, there's chaos. And with chaos, McConnell and company are just going to look for the easiest possible political solution, which means spending enormous sums of your own money. So the question as to what exactly the grand old party does these days is very open. What exactly would you say the Republican Party does do these days when they are signing on the dotted line on the same bills the Democrats are signing on to? What exactly this is not a compromised piece of legislation. It blows out the budget again with another bill that no one has read and is filled with pork and is filled with bad priorities. So what exactly does the Republican Party do? It's a serious question. There better be some leadership inside the Republican Party in short order, or they will be in a state of collapse, despite the fact that the Democratic Party is wildly unpopular. I, I Honestly, I cannot remember the last time a party took over the House and was considered more in disarray than the party that had just lost. Remember, the the Democrats control the House right now. In January, they won't. But it's the Republican Party that seems to be on the ropes in the House and the Democratic Party that seems to be in control in the House, which is an amazing spectacle and a demonstration of a complete lack of any sort of backbone or leadership capacity inside the Republican House. So what exactly was in this monstrosity? There's a lot in a $1.7 trillion bill. Again, it was a bipartisan 68 to 29 vote to tee up the measure for debate in the House. The compilation of long-stalled appropriations bills known as omnibus, would provide nearly $773 billion for domestic programs and more than $850 billion for the military, covering expenses through the 2023 fiscal year, which concludes at the end of September. This is why you're seeing hawkish people like Tom Cotton sign on. He's saying we can't afford to hold up military spending. We don't want a government shutdown. That's why Cotton, who happens to be fiscally conservative, signed on to this thing. It's for the military spending. Republicans had insisted on robust Pentagon funding in months-long talks with Democrats who secured some, but not all, of the health, education, labor, and economic spending they wanted. The must-pass nature of the bill, it was the final major piece of legislation before Congress resets in the new year, also offered a window for lawmakers to advance other long-stalled priorities. The sweeping omnibus is filled with provisions that would expand some Medicaid benefits, help Americans save for retirement, revise the presidential vote count, electoral vote counting process, and ban TikTok on government devices. But you could have done all of these as separate bills. The whole purpose of an omnibus sandwich? is to be a crap sandwich. That's the entire purpose of it. Get people to vote for $800 billion in useless spending in order to get the military spending. Or if you are the Democrats, get people to vote for the useless spending and then bite your tongue and vote for the military spending. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said, this is one of the most significant appropriations packages we have done in a long time. He stressed that it, quote, made aggressive investments in American families, workers, and national defense. By the way, you know what it didn't do? was actually preserve the border, for example. There's no funding for closing the border. Title 42, there was an amendment that was proposed by Mike Lee to maintain Title 42, so at least in the short term, we can shut the border. That was rejected. There was, of course, that $45 billion in appropriations for Ukrainian weaponry, and you can be in favor of that and still be very much against an omnibus package that includes an additional $1.65 trillion. Mike Lee said this is an act of extortion being leveraged on the United States Senate right before Christmas. This, of course, happens to be exactly true Late on Wednesday night, Lee held up consideration of the omnibus as he tried to force lawmakers to extend a controversial immigration policy implemented during the Trump administration. Senate leaders ultimately worked out an arrangement to permit several am- amendment votes on the policy, known as Title 42, placating Lee, but his gambit failed. It allowed lawmakers to finalize the bills. The, the bill hours later. It's more on this in just one moment. First, you've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy before choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I actually research the show's sponsors because I want to recommend brands I believe in. I can say with full confidence ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. For starters, ExpressVPN does not log your online activity. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do that. They've even developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. ExpressVPN also uses Lightway. That's a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried a lot of VPNs in the past they can sometimes slow your connection, but... Express VPN is always blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. Not to mention, Express VPN, really, really easy to use. You don't need any technical skills to set it up. You just fire up the app, you tap one button, and now you're connected. Even your grandparents could do it. I'm not just the one saying this. It's Business Insider, The Verge, a lot of other tech journals. They rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN on planet Earth. Protect yourself with the VPN I know and trust. Use my link at expressvpn.com ben today. Get an extra three months free on that one-year package. That's expressvpn.com ben, expressvpn.com ben to learn more. So what exactly is, is in this bill? Well, as I say, there is a lot that is in this bill. According to Politico, Ukraine aid is in the bill. That TikTok ban that was pushed by Senator Josh Hawley that would bar the download of TikTok on government devices made it into the bill. That, of course, is like baseline stuff. Uh, Of course, the TikTok ban should be in the bill. We just found out over the course of the last 48 hours that TikTok actually spied on journalists. For all the millions of people who listen to the show and who are using TikTok, get it off your phone. They, They know everything about you now, the Chinese government. CNN reported literally yesterday. The TikTok parent company ByteDance had to fire four employees who improperly accessed the personal data of two journalists on the platform, according to a TikTok spokesperson named Brooke Oberwetter. So this bill prevents government employees from uh, downloading TikTok on their government devices. It creates things like telehealth extensions, which are, which are fine. I mean, first of all, the, the fact that telehealth is banned in particular states is idiotic. Of course, you should be able to consult with a doctor who happens to be out of state via the internet. There is a lobster lifeline, which is exciting. Maine lawmakers successfully included a pause on new regulations they warned would cripple their state's lobster industry. There's also a um, a bunch of tax provisions. There's a bunch of spending on the FBI, which is kind of astonishing considering the scandal that has now engulfed the FBI in coordinating with social media in order to shut down information about, for example, the Hunter Biden laptop story. So Republicans and Democrats voted for a big pay raise for the FBI, essentially. There is a boost for the National Labor Relations Board, the single worst piece of regulatory oversight mechanism in the United States. The NLRB is garbage. Lawmakers increased the budget for the NLRB by $25 million for the first time in nearly a decade. The NLRB's job is basically to yell at businesses until they do the bidding of Democrats. What else is, is what, what's out? Well, Biden had wanted $9 billion to help combat the COVID pandemic and other stuff, but that ended up out of the deal. There was apparently a a piece of legislation that would have expanded protections for pregnant workers that didn't make it into the bill. But there, there are a bunch of business propositions that made it into the bill, some of which are are pretty terrible. So, for example, antitrust efforts could get a boost at the federal and state levels, according to The Wall Street Journal. Fees would rise for merger filings. So what this means is more government intervention in the markets. The FDA gets new powers to oversee baby formula and cosmetics and to try to ensure that drugs granted a speedy approval undergo further testing to confirm that they work. Well, giving more funding to the FDA has been a, a obviously an amazing move. The FDA did a horrible job during this pandemic. Retirees could postpone mandatory withdrawals from tax-deferred retirement accounts until they are 73 or 75 instead of 72 under the current rules legislation makes it easier for the president to release heating oil from the federal reserves. I mean, it's just it's, it's, a, it's an agglomeration of just nonsense. I mean, there's some stuff that here that's good and there's a bunch of stuff here that's really bad. But what this really means in the long term is that we are not getting our spending problem under control. And we are, by the way, inflating the currency in the middle of an inflationary cycle. Inflation still has not come down. And the Congress's solution is what if we toss another two trillion dollars in spending in there? Now, this is part of a broader problem that's about to engulf Western markets which is that governments just keep spending and spending and spending and spending. And they can try to crack down on inflation with with their central banking procedures, but they're not going to be able to stop the economic stagnation that's to come when you just spend too much money. As Margaret Thatcher once said, eventually you run out of other people's money. And that is what's going to happen in Europe. Investors are bracing for European governments led by Germany to flood the market with new debt next year as they spend heavily to shield their economies from high energy costs, according to the Wall Street Journal. Governments in Europe are expected to increase bond issuance by 10% to 1.2 trillion euros in 2023. It's equivalent to about $1.27 trillion. That comes as the European Central Bank steps back from its role as a voracious buyer of Eurozone government bonds, with plans to start shrinking its bond portfolios starting in March. So this flood of new debt from Germany and other Eurozone countries means that they are going to start issuing more debt. It means that you're going to see larger debt and deficits. And this means, in the end, economic stagnation. It also means, in the United States, when you look at the measures that the White House is currently taking, when you spend this much money and when you encourage people not to work, what you end up is less people in the workforce, which means that by all democratic governing strategies, when you have created a piece of policy that fails, you then create a piggyback piece of policy that also fails. According to the Wall Street Journal, top White House economic officials are considering a renewed push for a suite of policies aimed at luring more Americans back to work. You know what we used to call it to lure Americans back to work? Paying them a salary. It used to be in this country. You didn't have to lure people back to work. People looked for work in this country. right? to lure people? Like, what bizarre notion of markets is it that you lure people to work? The lure was the pay. You don't have to have the government luring people back to work unless the government is also paying people to stay home. So there's a quick solution for that. Stop paying people to stay home. So what exactly is the White House going to do? They're now talking about an enhanced child care and elder care benefit as they hammer out priorities for the coming year. The question of how to find enough workers has emerged as a significant issue as the country emerges from the pandemic, with a smaller share of adults working or looking for work than in early 2020. White House economic officials expect to brief President Biden on their thoughts over the holiday break as the administration shapes its agenda for 2023 and plans for Biden's State of the Union address. Brian Deese, director of the White House's National Economic Council, said to the Wall Street Journal, quote, Where are places where we can lower price pressures on the economy, lower costs for consumers, increase the productive potential of the economy? The things we prioritize and focus on will be in that area. He didn't make clear exactly what that would look like, but the White House is going to push for paid family leave, universal pre-K, permanent expansion of the child tax credit, et cetera. So again, the, the idea is going to be that we are going to give you additional benefits from the government side if you go to work, as opposed to, you know, taking away the benefits that we are currently giving you to stay home and sit flat on your ass for years on end which means more spending, of course, and forever. Will Republicans actually stand up to that? Totally unclear. Because, I mean, let's be real about this. If what we just saw in the Senate Republicans voting for an omnibus package with Democrats in order to avoid negotiating with Republicans, there's no reason they can't do that next year. If the Republicans take over Congress, and if the new speaker, whoever it is, Kevin McCarthy or anybody else, is unable to wield a durable majority in the House, you could see a bunch of Republicans just peel off and vote with the Democrats and start advancing Joe Biden's priorities. That's how weak the party is right now. Now, the predictable result of all of this is that you are going to have a stagnating economy in the very near future. The U.S. labor market continues to remain very tight because, again, we spent trillions of dollars to keep people at home. People continue to spend money. This continues to drive up the inflation rates, which is going to mean that the Federal Reserve has to drive down all of the inflation rates through higher interest rates, which is going to mean long-term economic stagnation. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, the situation in Ukraine obviously continues to be a disaster area. Russia has actually upped the ante, given the fact they're not doing particularly well in the field. They are now striking out at the electrical grid in Ukraine, so things are getting uglier. My friends at the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews have been working in Israel, Ukraine, and the former Soviet Union for more than 30 years. They've never seen hunger and suffering like they are currently seeing in Ukraine, which is just one reason I'm asking for your help. Norman is an 84-year-old Holocaust survivor. He's been blind since birth and lives in a Jewish old age home in Odessa, Ukraine. With so much infrastructure destroyed over recent months, Norman has been without heat or clean water. The International Fellowship of Christians and Jews has supplied blankets, foods, and other essentials to help Norman survive through the winter. They're doing this for hundreds, if not thousands of other people as well. In this season of giving, please consider donating to the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. They're on the ground providing generators, building wells, providing medicine and food boxes in this dire situation. Just 45 bucks can ensure warmth, food, and clean water to Jewish kids and the elderly in need. Right now, the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews has a special matching challenge. Your donation through the end of 2022 will double in impact. Your tax-deductible gift will be multiplied twice to help provide twice the winter necessities and save lives. Head online to benforthefellowship.org or text Shapiro to 41444. That's benforthefellowship.org or text Shapiro to 41444. This is the direction in which the economy is going to move. And Democrats can't stop, won't stop. They're going to continue to push broader spending initiatives that please their most... Ardent fans. This is why, for example, Rashid Tlaib and Corey Bush are still out there doing TikTok dances in order to uh, encourage Joe Biden to cancel student loan debt. And if you think that Joe Biden won't try it again, he will. What you doing? What you doing? Where you at? Where you at? Oh, you, got plans. you got plans. Oh, no. Yeah. Nothing worse than Congress people doing TikTok. I mean, first of all, no one should ever do TikTok dances. Are you an adult? Be an adult. But aside from that, also, you shouldn't be on TikTok because they're going to steal all your data. So you have Congress people on TikTok giving their data to the Chinese while doing videos about canceling student loan debt. Both of those people, I believe, went to college, which is a a good reason why you should never relieve their student loan debt ever, ever, ever. And again, the the Democrats will continue to pursue really bad policy. The question is, do the Republicans have any power to stand up to it? One one of the funniest things about the Democrats' bad policy, by the way, is that they have to spend a lot of time pretending that the bad policy doesn't actually exist. So Mayor Eric Adams is about to be hit with 1,000 illegal immigrants a day. Once Title 42 ends, I and mean, this is what New York City is actually foreseeing, he says that uh, Joe Biden is doing fine on the border. Things are great. Chuck Schumer, New York senator, managed to negotiate an increase from one hundred and fifty million dollars to eight hundred million dollars for the cities that receive asylum seekers. And we're told, according to multiple sources, that New York City is positioned to receive a large, a large batch of that amount. So here's New York City Mayor Eric Adams responding to that news this week. I think the president has, a, has a, a good understanding of how this is a real issue. We were able to get this omnibus bill. Have the it has the money in it that we need some of the money in that we need. Uh, this is a national issue. And that's my conversation with the president's uh, team. So this is the same mayor who is yelling at Greg Abbott for shipping a few illegal immigrants up to New York City. But he's saying that Joe Biden is doing an amazing job. Listen, they're they're Gaps in the Biden-Democrat policy wide enough to drive a Mack truck through. Joe Biden's approval rating right now is in the low 40s at best. And yet Republicans seem utterly incapable of taking advantage of that. Now, one reason for that, of course, is that the media are completely in the pocket of Democrats. Nancy Pelosi, who is now leaving her position as Speaker of the House, she won't be the House Minority Leader either. Hakeem Jeffries is about to take that over. She gave her last weekly press briefing yesterday as Speaker of the House with apparently a bunch of crumbs on her jacket or something. The hobbitses took the took the the last of the lambless bread, um, but uh, but <laughs> but Nancy Pelosi, uh, she actually um, this is my favorite thing about the relationship between Democrats and their Praetorian Guard is that they don't even pretend that the reporters aren't their best friends. It's really funny. Republicans deal with reporters and they're like, God, you guys are just. Uh, I understand your opposition and we'll we'll treat each other respectfully. If uh, but but I'm going to call you out on, on your nonsense. Democrats are like, go forward and do the work of the people. Like they, they turn into. They turn into like Mr. Chips at the end of uh, Goodbye, Mr. Chips, just giving lectures to the students. Here's Nancy Pelosi explaining to the media that they do an amazing job. As you know, this is my this I thought last week might have been, but this is my final weekly press conference. And some of you have been covering Congress for a long time; others are new. Uh, all of you are guardians of democracy. You've heard me say again and again: If there were one freedom in the First Amendment, the freedom of uh, of the press that would be the one that protects and defends all the other freedoms. It, it must be wonderful being a Democrat when you have an entire legacy media dedicated to your preservation and, and glorification. It must be just absolutely wonderful. And that's why you're able to move forward with terrible policy repeatedly. Now, the Democrats don't just rely on the media in order to push forward their policy. They have, they have a bunch of forces working in their favor. One, Republican incompetence. Two, the media being their absolute best friends. And and three, the ability to misdirect because of one and two, to issues that do not actually take top priority for the American people, but they can spend inordinate amounts of time on. So Joe Biden made his Christmas address the other night. You know, the, he's he's able to uh, mix religion and politics so long as the religion is so watered down that it doesn't actually hold by anything. This is the rule in American politics is you're allowed to make religious appeals, but only to things that have nothing to do with religion or to a vague sort of spirituality that has nothing to do with the actual gospel if you're Christian, for example. We we'll get to more on this in just one second. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and get into the comfortable loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John because as I slip into something more comfortable, my Tommy John loungewear set, I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, it's stylish enough to wear for a quick stroll to the park with my kids. And you won't look like you just rolled out of bed, even if you may have done just that. Tommy John uses luxuriously soft tri-blend fabrics with flexible four-way stretch. Plus, their fabric is non-pilling, meaning it doesn't leave behind lint balls or fuzz. And guys, you might be wondering how they can get any better. Good news. Their underwear, amazing. I mean, I've been using them for years, literally throughout all my other pairs of underwear. Incredibly durable. Their fabric moves with you. It's just great stuff. Plus, Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee protects your most valuable assets. So shop Tommy John. Get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Save 20% for a limited time at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. That's TommyJohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. So Joe Biden, yeah, He used Christmas as a time to talk up what a unifying man he was. I noticed that he wasn't in front of Independence Hall yelling at his political opponents and calling them fascist this time while calling for unity. Instead, he was in front of a bunch of twinkly lights over at the White House and explaining that he was a very unifying, unifying man. I sincerely hope this holiday, this holiday season will drain the poison that has infected our politics and set us against one another. I hope this Christmas season marks a fresh start for our nation because there's so much that unites us as Americans. Well, actually, there is increasingly little that unites us as Americans. This is actually what the Census Bureau is now showing. There are a couple of pieces of data that have come out in the last 24 hours showing that when it comes to the fundamental bases upon which we predicate our social fabric, many of these things are wearing away. And this is why you are seeing a big sword happening in American life. So there's a certain irony to Joe Biden, who's a deeply anti-religious figure. If you're, I mean, if if you look at his social policy, transing the children, same-sex marriage, These are are policies that are directed against traditional religion. There's a president who has suggested that basically, if you're a traditionally religious person, your religious practice needs to end at the front door of your home or at the side door of your church. That's where your religious practice ends. And even there, he's basically saying we can do that for now, but not for very long. He's banking on the fact that in the United States, church attendance has been dropping, that religious adherence has been dropping. Because if you get rid of the church, then then the God becomes the state. These two things tend to merge. Human beings have a religious impulse. They want to follow something. And Joe Biden believes that what people should follow is the moral suasion of government. And so he does have some forces working in his favor here, including the lack of religious traditionalism in America right now. According to Hannah Blow reporting for, for Breitbart, church attendance and general belief in God has dropped in the United States over the past few years, according to recent surveys. A Gallup survey released over the summer found that belief in God sunk to an all-time low this year, down to 81%. It identified young individuals and leftists as the people most likely to not believe in God. It works the other way around, by the way. The people who are most likely not to believe in God tend to be leftists. It's not just the leftists don't believe in God. It's people who don't believe in God tend to move toward the left. As Breitbart reported at the time, according to the survey, most U.S. adults, 81% believe in God. While that figure seems high, it's the lowest percentage ever recorded in the survey. Also, there are a lot of people who say they believe in God, but what they mean by believing God is they, they believe in vague spiritual forces and sort of the C.S. Lewis description of the term. Up until 2011, over 90% of Americans said they believed in God. The number has continued to drop. It's now down eight points from 89% who expressed belief in God in 2016, which is a radical decrease. You're talking about a 10% decrease in just the last 10 years. The previous low was set in 2014 when 86% said they believed in God. When Gallup asked the same question in 1953, 54, 65, 67, said they believed in God. Also, the Hill found roughly one-fifth of Americans do not consider themselves part of a religion, which coincides with the percentage of Americans not expressing belief in God as well. And again, this, this leaves out the fact that a huge people who say that they are part of religion aren't actually adherents to the specific tenets of the religion. I mean, Joe Biden says that he is a religious Catholic and then again promotes a bunch of policy that is directly against the doctrine of the Catholic Church. Same thing for Nancy Pelosi. A survey center on American life Report detailed in March 2020, found that younger generations are less likely to adhere to a religion. Over one-third of Generation Z, 34%, consider themselves unaffiliated from religious groups. That figure decreases to 29% among millennials, 25% among Generation X, 18% among baby boomers, and 9% of the silent generation. There's been a precipitous drop in church membership over the past three decades among those on the political left. In 1998, a majority of liberals, 57%, were members of a church or other type of religious organization. Now, 35% of liberals, say that they are members of church or another religious organization. So when you have Joe Biden sitting there and talking about the unifying traditions of the United States in front of a bunch of Christmas trees, what he does not mean is actual traditional religion, which was the glue that bound together the social fabric of the United States. De Tocqueville talks about this. He talks about how religious adherence among common people who gathered together in churches and communities was the glue that held together the United States in the absence of an overarching central government. When you lose that glue, then there has to be some sort of airsatz glue that is used. A stapler is used. And that stapler tends to come in the the form of of government. And Joe Biden knows this. This is not just happening in the United States, by the way. This is happening all around the world. The secular trends that have taken over the West are going to eat the West. They are going to destroy the West. They're going to destroy all of the rights that people have traditionally enjoyed in the United States. Because the thing is that what upholds the rights of people is, in fact, the fundamental institutions that undergird those rights. Rights don't just come tabula rasa from nowhere. Rights do not pre-exist institutions. They coincide with institutions. If you read Lockean philosophy, here's where John Locke was wrong. He suggested, if you read him in a particular way, that rights are inherent and institutions are, are sort of artificial. That is, that is not correct. Institutions pre-exist rights. Families, the chief institution, pre-exist rights. Rights were created in order to protect families, in order to protect spheres of freedom within the roles and institutions that already existed. When rights start to destroy the institutions, the rights themselves are going to fall apart. And that's exactly what's happened in, for example, the UK. In the UK, the institutions of church, of religion, these have become taboo. This is also happening in Canada. For example, it's happened all over Europe, and at least Western Europe. Eastern Europe is still very religious. And when when you look to what's happening in Britain, you'll notice that one of the first things to go along with freedom of religion is freedom of speech. There's an amazing story out of the UK yesterday in which a pro-life activist was arrested we're literally standing outside an abortion clinic. Now, she wasn't harassing anybody. She wasn't saying anything. She wasn't holding a sign. She was a person standing there. But you are not allowed to stand there. There's tape that actually emerged of this incident in, in Britain. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, before I ask you any questions about what's going on today, I have to caution you, which is just your rights, which is you do not have to say anything. It may harm your defense if you do not mention one question. Something that you later are on in court, anything you do say maybe. give uh, what, what are you here for today? Uh, physically, I'm just standing here. Okay. Why, why here of all places? I know you, d- you don't live nearby. But this is an abortion something. Okay, that's why you're just is, is you standing here part of the protest? No, I'm not are you, protesting. Are you, are you praying? I, I might be praying in my head. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you once more, will you voluntarily come with us now to the police station for me to ask you some questions about today and other days where there are allegations that you've broken public spaces protection order? Uh, if I've got a choice, then no. Okay, well then you're under arrest and you suspicion of failing to comply with the public spaces protection order. Okay, so the public spaces protection order says that you are not allowed to stand outside an abortion clinic not doing anything. Right? Any other place in the UK you can apparently just stand there. And they could have arrested her for loitering or trespassing. They don't. They're, they're arresting her because she is silently praying in her head without moving her face. The... Th- You think that rights matter in the UK, they do not. We're not even talking about freedom of religion. That'd be like freedom of speech. How about like freedom of standing there? According to Fox News, Isabel Vaughn Spruce, director of the UK March for Life, was standing near the BPAS Robert Clinic in Kings Norton, Birmingham, in an area ADF at UK called a censorship zone. When police approached her after an onlooker complained, she might be praying outside the abortion facility. God forbid. And that'd just be terrible. If if somebody were to pray. I mean, that's, that's terrible. Birmingham's authorities established a buffer zone around abortion clinics, which makes it illegal for an individual to engage in any act or attempted act of approval or disapproval as it relates to abortion and includes verbal or written means like praying or counseling. So it is now approval or disapproval to stand there, to literally stand there. Von Spruce says, I was exercising my freedom of thought, my freedom of religion inside the privacy of my own mind. Nobody should be criminalized for thinking and for praying in a public space in the UK. She says, this is something I've pretty much done every week for around the last 20 years of my life. I pray for my friends who've experienced abortion and for the women who are thinking about going through with it themselves. Von Spruce has stood near the abortion facility while it was closed three times and said she might have been praying. According to the ADF UK, police showed her photos of herself standing outside the facility and asked if she was praying, which she said she could not answer since she spent some time praying but got distracted at other times. <laughs> not praying the whole time. I mean, th- th- this sort of stuff, again... If, if you believe that the social fabric of the United States is going to withstand the secular encroachments that essentially argue against the rights of religion and speech, so long as they violate the, the tenets and belief system of the left, this is what you end up with in the UK. And so what you're seeing in the United States is increasingly a big sword, an ideological sort happening. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, we're experiencing a lot of global instability as we plunge into primary season. How are you protecting your family in the middle of all of this chaos? The fact is, there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political, and economic upheaval dating back to ancient times. That, of course, is gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold, and Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out and balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text BEN to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold the way that I did. Diversification is always a smart business strategy, particularly in really tenuous times. This is a tenuous time. You should check out my friends over at Birch Gold. Text Ben to 989898. Get in touch with them today. Ask all your questions. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, in case you missed it, my book club, Ben Shapiro's Book Club, returned last night for a brand new episode that is available to watch now exclusively on Daily Wire+. We went through the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. It's a phenomenal book. It's really moving. It has a lot to say about the human condition, about God. You must be an all-access member to watch. Trust me when I say you don't want to miss it. So head on over to dailywire.com slash ben. Become a member today. Watch the latest episode of my book club. That's dailywire.com slash ben today. Okay, so... The decline of religion in the United States is actually causing a greater rift in the United States. The the, the promise was that as religion declined in the United States, that secularism would take over. There would be sort of a vast blob, and we would all be part of that vast blob together in which we got together under the auspices of government. Instead, what's happening is that people are fleeing, fleeing the more secularized states, and they are moving to more religious states. Now, it also happens to be that a lot of those more religious states have broader economic protections, broader economic freedoms. This is one of the things that I think the left refuses to understand is, again, rights, particularly property rights, are very much connected to viable institutions that instill social trust. When you have a religious community, people are very respectful of other people's property rights, specifically because they know that their neighbor is not trying to screw them. And one of the things that, that Adam Smith talks about in his first major work, A the Theory of Moral Sentiments*, is the idea that you have to have viable social institutions, that, that people are motivated by sympathy, and this creates trust. And that when that trust exists, you can have free markets. Well, when you have societies in which that doesn't exist, you end up with Sam bankman Fried as we'll get to in just one moment. But what you are seeing in the United States is a major shift in population. According to Pluribus News, the United States added more than 1.2 million residents over the course of the past year as population growth rebounded from pandemic-era lows. That is an increase attributed almost entirely to international migrants coming to the country. So that is partially our open border. But the more important part of this study, aside from the fact that we aren't having kids and we're importing population, The the more important part of the study is where exactly population is being gained. Population growth is not even across the states. Almost all of the top 10 states that added the most residents were in the South. Texas added 470,000 new residents. Florida added 416,000 people. North Carolina and Georgia both added more than 100,000 residents. Arizona added 94,000. South Carolina, Tennessee, Washington, Utah, Idaho all added tens of thousands of new residents. The populations of Florida, Idaho, South Carolina, Texas, South Dakota, and Montana all grew by more than 1.5%. You'll notice that in that list, the only blue state is Washington. That is the only blue state. And it's important to mention that in Washington, eastern Washington is very heavily red. Rust Belt states continued a long trend of population declines. New York's population fell by 180,000. Illinois shed more than 100,000 people. Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Maryland, Ohio all lost population as well. California has seen its population drop in recent years, too. The nation's largest state declined by 113,000 people last year. The number of people who moved out of California outpaced the number who moved in by a whopping 343,000 residents, according to the Census Bureau data. Nearly 300,000 New Yorkers moved out of the state over the last year alone. So when we're talking about, you know, how many people overall left, some people moved in, but way more people moved out. Texas has now joined California as the only two states with populations north of 30 million. Florida, which only recently passed New York to become the nation's third most populous state, has more than 2.5 million more residents than the Empire State. So it is not a shock. All of these states in the South are becoming more red as they become more populous. Meanwhile, all of the states in the Northeast, in the Rust Belt, California, they're becoming blue as they become less populous. This makes perfect sense. A giant ideological sort is happening right now. And the states that are going to grow the fastest are the ones that provide for economic freedom. The states that are going to grow the fastest also happens to be, those also happen to be the states with the highest levels of religious adherence. This is not a coincidence. The left wishes you to believe that freedom is dependent on freedom from godliness, freedom from religion, freedom from community, freedom from institutions. The only freedom that is dependent on that is sexual libertinism. All the other freedoms are actually very much dependent on viable social institutions that hold together a society built on trust. And when those institutions disappear, what you end up with is a less trusting America. Now, the, the great irony of what's happening economically speaking right now in terms of, say, Sam Bankman-Fried is that the entire basis of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency was supposed to be a trustless system. The idea was you don't need social institutions in order to trust the trustless system because obviously cryptocurrencies are reliant on the blockchain. The blockchain is all about verifiability and being able to track money through various mechanisms and and being able to, to verify that certain transactions have taken place and that the money that is in your, your specific wallet is yours and all the rest. But people have a tendency always to rely on trust even when they should not. And that's how Sam Bankman-Fried took advantage of the situation. Yesterday, he was released on a $250 million bond with restrictions. Now, was he really released on $250 million bond? The answer is no. Nobody put up $250 million in collateral so Sam Bankman-Fried could walk around free. That's not exactly what happened here. Basically, the government pretended that they had set the bond that high in order so they could say that we're taking this super seriously. In reality, his parents basically put up his house, their house as as collateral. But the the likelihood is that Bankman-Fried is going to spend an awful long time in prison. His release also followed an announcement by Damian Williams, the U.S. Attorney for Southern District of New York, on Wednesday night, that two former executives of Bankman-Fried's businesses. Caroline Ellison and Gary Wang had pled guilty to federal fraud charges and were cooperating with prosecutors. Those charges against the executives are likely to further complicate Bankman-Fried's defense. The criminal investigation into FTX and its related entities have moved with startling speed. In under two months, FTX went from a flourishing exchange to a bankrupt entity whose executives are facing criminal charges for some of the financial world's most serious violations. Prosecutors have said that Bankman-Fried's crimes led to the implosion of his exchange in billions in customer losses. So... Again, this is what happens. Even a trustless system, it turns out, people tend to want to trust people. They do want to trust people. And when you have a system in the United States, more broadly speaking in the West, that undermines fundamental bases of trust because we don't have the same values anymore. And what is supposed to replace it is kind of niceness and civility as opposed to common standards of behavior and, and common goals. What you end up with is an sat social fabric that is about as comfortable as nylon. It is, it is not going to wear well. And that's what's happening in, in the United States writ large in terms of our civil society. So people are forming new civil societies, but they're doing so on the state level. All guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the January 6th committee report. But more importantly, we'll be having on Dr. Robert Malone, famous for having been essentially censored by all of media for his questions about vaccination. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First.